Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, founder of Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you built a successful freelance business that you've grown to the point where you need to hire, then you've achieved a huge milestone. And if you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, congratulations to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to the Entrepreneurial to Employer podcast, please subscribe and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow the podcast and be able to positively impact more employers to help them build a better work environment. All right, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today's topic is the 18 questions that you need to ask and answer before making your first hire. So you've grown your business to a point where you're stepping back going, okay, I can't go any further without starting to build a team. That's great. But if you've never hired before, never had employees, never had a team, or maybe you did in your corporate life, there's still a lot of things for you to consider before you step in and say, okay, I'm ready to become an employer. So today we're going to break it down into four sections. First section, we're going to talk about understanding the decisions that need to be made well before hiring. The second section is structuring your first hire. Third is creating CES for the first hire and beyond. And four is documents, documents, and more documents. All right, let's get into it. So let's talk about what you need to understand and the questions that you need to ask and answer before you decide to make that first hire. Right, Because at the end of the day, hiring your first employee is a huge decision. I mean, Once you make that first hire, your responsibilities as a business owner change. But the question is, how do they change? So I want you to ask yourself these following questions to make sure that you are truly ready to embrace the responsibility of being an employer. So the first one is, are you happier working as a freelancer? You know, there's a lot of people that have created companies, businesses, organizations that are a person of one. Right, There are million-dollar businesses out there that are just one person running that business, the, the founder, um, and they do very well at it. They're able to outsource, you know, if they need contractors, they're able to outsource them, bring them on per pro, on a per project basis. There's different ways that they are able to bring delivery of their solutions or products to the, to the market without having to hire employees. And they truly love being an independent freelancer. They truly love not having employees or that different level of responsibility once you have employees. And so there are people that by design have businesses that will never have employees. And that is perfectly okay. But becoming an employer, you know, once you do that, it means you accept the responsibility of leadership, coaching, and creating a culture that is not toxic. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are you ready for that? If you're ready to be able to coach and lead people and develop them and hopefully provide, you know, training, education, career paths, and opportunities, then becoming an employer very well might be for you. All right. The second question that you need to ask yourself is why should someone work for you? In today's world, employees look for opportunities that bring more than just a competitive compensation package. Let me repeat that. In today's world, employees look for opportunities that bring more than just a competitive compensation package. Yes, compensation is important. However, there are more things or additional things now that are equally as important as compensation. Okay, such as what type of culture is going to be created in the environment, what is the mission, the why, and the values of the organization or the owner, 
right? What type of impact does the business look to have day in and day out? So these are questions that a lot of potential candidates are going to ask themselves when deciding if they should come work for you, right? Do, do their, you know, do their ethics and morals align with yours? Um, you know, so really taking a look at the cohesive package and being able to answer why someone should work for you other than just, I'm going to pay them a lot of money is going to be a very important question that you will need to answer. Okay. Your team, your employees, they are going to need to believe in your why and in your values. The third question that you need to ask yourself is, are you prepared to make the hard decisions that is often required of employers? It's, it's great to, you know, start building a team and the excitement of, of coaching and training and developing and seeing people progress. You know, that's the, that's the fun side of it. That's the good side of it. Um, but no matter what we do, there's always going to be decisions that have to be made that are hard decisions and not every employee is going to work out the way we hoped. You know, and as long as we've done everything we can to drive their success, at the end of the day, there are still employees that just aren't going to be suited for either the position they're in or for the company in general, which requires you as the owner to make that tough decision of performance managing the situation, having those tough conversations around performance and improvement. And, you know, ultimately, the question you have to ask yourself is, are you ready to handle the termination process? Because let's face it, you know, terminating and, and, and ending employment relationships, it's never easy, regardless of the situation. So at the end of the day, you're always dealing with, an, with a person on the other end of the process. So you have to be prepared as a business owner and willing to handle the termination process if it becomes required. That is not something that you can outsource. Now, eventually, as your company grows, you may have a, a manager HR, things like that to help with it. But at the end of the day, it's still your business and you have to be responsible for the entire employee life cycle. All right. So those are the first three questions that we got through. Now we're going to get into the next question set, which means we're going to talk about how you want to structure the first hire. Okay. It's very important that you have a structure and a process before you make that first hire, because let's face it, what you're going to start embarking on now is creating your employer brand. And that employer brand is going to be very important because if you get a negative reputation out there about your hiring practices, about what it's like to work for you, about the company in general, it will be very difficult for you to continue building your team and be able to recruit. So the way you approach your first hire can set the tone for everything. So once you've firmly committed to the decision to make your first hire, you now be need to begin the process of how you're going to structure the process and the opportunity itself. So I want you to take a step back and ask yourself the following questions. First one is, what are the top three, top three reasons that you have decided to hire your first employee? I mean, this is where you evaluate what has happened in your business and why is this opportunity, why has this opportunity been created, right? So list out the three reasons, because what you want to make sure is that the, there's a very strong business case for this hiring, right? It's, uh, you know, one of the reasons could be that this is not a position that you can outsource anymore, right? Maybe you're looking to bring in a marketing person. You've been outsourcing that marketing for years and it's no longer giving you the ROI and the, the traction that you need. So it may be time to, to bring that marketing role in-house. Uh, or maybe you're looking to hire your first salesperson, right? You've developed the sales process. You have a, a good sales pipeline going. You have um, the framework for your sales flow developed. And now you want to bring in a salesperson to take that load off of you. Um, and you, you know, from your perspective, you don't feel you can grow the organization anymore without hiring a salesperson. 
Um, or it could be a finance person, could be any position, but you need to take a step back and figure out what are the three reasons that I am going to make this hire and make sure you evaluate what it is that justifies the hire. You can't outsource the role anymore. Uh, it's an, it's a new role, right? Because your business has grown. Now these things X, Y, and Z need to be done. So the role that's being created is a new role for your organization. Um, and you'd rather have it in-house than outsourced. So to really take a step back and dive deep into your reasons for creating the position and what is driving it. The next question is what is the scope of the position that you are creating, right? This is where you start the process of creating your job description, right? List out all the expectations, duties, and requirements of the role. Right. This is going to be the outline and the bullet points to your job description, which the job description is a very, very important document that needs to be created before you go to market. Hot tip. We do this before creating the job title. A lot of people write the job title first and then come back and, and write the job description. It's kind of like when you, you were back in the old English classes in, in your uh, grammar school or high school days where we were always taught to write the body of our essay and then come up with the title. Same thing here, right? Develop your list of expectations, duties, and requirements, and then start to research what the right title might be around that framework. Next question you need to ask yourself is, have you researched fair market compensation for the role that you wish to create? And what, if any benefits, do you want to offer? Now, equally as important is, have you looked at how the compensation package will impact your financials? In other words, can you afford to make this higher? So it's great, you know, you definitely need to make sure that you are doing market research and taking that position that you've created and understanding what is fair market compensation for the role in my area. And from that point, then you also need to take a look at, can I truly afford this role, right? When I plug this number onto my P&L, the cost of payroll, employer taxes, workers' compensation, any other costs that may be uh, equated to this employee if you offer benefits, all of that needs to be mapped out so that you truly understand that you can afford to hire this person. Because if you can't, you will need to rethink either the position, scope of position, and the compensation package, or you may just not be ready to hire yet at all. Now, why do we go through this exercise? Well, we go through this exercise for a couple of key reasons. One, to make sure that we're being good financial stewards of our business and that we're only doing things that we can do from a financial perspective. But number two, again, once you make that decision to hire a person, your responsibility as a business owner has shifted. And the last thing you want to do is bring them on, have it not work out because financially you could never afford it in the first place. And now three months later, you need to let them go. It's one of the quickest ways to one, ruin somebody's life and two, damage your employer brand. You know, and the crux of that is if you do that, if we did that, it is truly not fair to that employee. We bring them out of maybe another opportunity another job that they're working at that may be more stable and we haven't done our financial homework and in three months we have to let them go just not a good position to put yourself in or another person so really really take a hard look at that particular set of questions for yourself all right the next question that you need to ask is will you classify your first employee as an hourly employee or salary exempt hourly is pretty straightforward you're going to pay them 25 dollars an hour whatever that number is Salary exempt is a whole different classification, and many people believe that they can classify employees as salary exempt in order to eliminate overtime. Now, there is a minimum salary requirement and a secondary test for the exempt status, so you need to proceed with caution. Okay, so just because you pay somebody a certain level of salary per year does not necessarily mean that they are going to be classified legally as salary exempt. There is a second uh, a test that has to be acquired or has to be completed based on their job role, expectations, education, training, etc. 
So it is not easy to just take somebody and say, I want to make you salary exempt. So I don't have to worry about paying overtime. That is the wrong reason to classify somebody as salary exempt. So make sure you do your homework here and make sure you talk to an HR professional or a labor law attorney uh, if you are considering a classification other than hourly. <clears throat> All right. The next question you need to ask yourself is, have you mapped out your recruitment process? Well, this includes creating a buyer persona, or I'm sorry, not a buyer persona. That's what we do on the marketing side, but a candidate persona, right? Creating that candidate persona, which is very similar to a buyer persona. With the candidate persona, what we're doing is we're mapping out what our quote ideal candidate looks like. Now, keep in mind, there is no such thing as ideal, but we still want to put down on paper, what does an ideal candidate look like? What are we looking for? Who is this person? What's their level of education? What do they like to do? What are their what are their career goals? What are their hard skills? What are their soft skills? What do they like to do when they're not working? Right. We, we want to paint a well-rounded picture of who this potential candidate is so that we understand what we're looking for, number one. And number two, it will also help us identify where might we go to find these type of candidates. You know, not everybody lives on Indeed or some of the other job sites. So understanding the person themselves will help you start to figure out where you can strategically go to find a pool of candidates. Another hot tip for you, referrals are always a great way to find team members. If you know somebody that you trust and they give you a referral to a potential employee, definitely could be a great way to find that employee um, for your team. So doesn't it's not perfect, doesn't always work out, but referrals are usually a great way to find employees. Next question that you need to ask yourself is what will the hiring process itself look like? Is it going to be one interview, two interviews, right? How many interviews? Now, at the end of the day, if it's going to be more than one interview, number one, make sure you set that expectation with the candidates at the very beginning stage. They need to know what to expect. They're going to have one interview, two interviews, and what the timeline is going to be, right? You will lose candidates if you drag the process out and take too long to make a decision. People will get other opportunities and they will move on. So you need to set a very aggressive timeline from the time you open the process to the time you make a decision. You also need to ask yourself, are you going to require a background check, hiring assessments, or other components to the process other than just the interviews? If so, make sure you map that out and that you're very clear about what other requirements are necessary once the interview process is over. People should have the, the candidate should always have clarity and transparency on what the overall process is going to look like and what is going to be expected of them throughout the process. Okay, I know we're giving you a lot to think about today, but we have a few more questions to get through that you as the entrepreneur to employer need to be thinking about as you get ready to make that transition. So the next set of questions that you need to ask yourself has to do with how you're going to create success for your first hire and beyond. So again, part of the responsibility as you shift from entrepreneur to employer is now you have the responsibility of being a leader, a coach, a mentor, creating career trajectory and opportunities, right? You've got a different level of responsibility. So let's make sure we get you headed down that right path. So one of the questions, the first question that you want to ask yourself is how am I going to handle the onboarding process and the initial job training? There is nothing worse than getting a job and starting and having zero structure around onboarding and worse, no on no job training, no introduction to what's expected or going to happen. Now, keep in mind that if you do your job through the recruitment process and you go through the job description and all the expectations, 
that on their first day, when you go through their new hire packet and their job description again, there should be no surprises. But that doesn't mean that they still don't need training and introduction and immersion into your organization. So a little backstory. So I started my, my career with a big corporate, you know, Fortune 500 company. And um, I had an opportunity to take over supply chain out of Asia, which was a, a great opportunity. I was uh, all of 29 years old and, you know, didn't, uh, didn't have much worldly experience at that point in time. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to get some global experience. And I assumed, and I assumed incorrectly, that just because I was working for a big Fortune 500 company, that, you know, they were going to have all kinds of training and that there would be... Um, they would give me a foundation which to work off of being that I had never been in supply chain before and really had no idea what I was doing. Um, but no, I did not get that. I got a plane ticket to Taiwan from LAX, a hotel reservation at the Hyatt and a telephone number to call when I got there. So that, you know, without a doubt is trial by fire. Now, granted, some people are good at, at being able to do that. And obviously I was able to navigate it and had a, had a 10 plus year career at that company. <clears throat> but regardless, you know, I probably would have hit the ground faster and been more efficient quicker had I been given some level of training before they just dropped me onto a plane and dropped me into, into Asia. So you, as the entrepreneur to employer, need to think through what does your onboarding process look like? Okay, you're going to have your administrative onboarding, right? That's where you get your new hire packet done, get all your paperwork done, get your employee handbook reviewed, go over the job description one more time, make sure there's no questions. That's your administrative onboarding, right? Um, if you're a technology, you know, if you're a remote company that re relies on technology to run, you know, employee communication and, and keep the team together, then you probably need to have a technology onboarding, right? Go over all the tools that you use, you know, hey, we use Slack, we use Google Workspace, or we use Microsoft 365, right? You need to go over all of the technology tools that are utilized and that are going to be necessary as part of that person's day-to-day -day job. Make sure all their username and passwords are set up, right? Make sure they are all set up on all the technology fronts and make that technology onboarding one standalone component of onboarding. And the next component of your onboarding is going to be their training, right? You really do need to map out a training process, whether it's one week or two weeks, you know, and it could be when you develop the training, it's not you training eight hours a day for two weeks straight, right? It's you breaking down the components of what is it necessary for them to know in the first couple of weeks, right? What's that initial foundation and start taking, start chunking it out. So there may be some one-on-one -on -one training with you. There may be some self-study time. There may be some, um, you know, some other opportunities for them to work with vendors or partners to learn. So you really need to map out that onboarding training process over the first one to two weeks so that you have a have an actual system in place. The next question you need to ask yourself is, how do you plan to lead and coach your first hire? So once you get them past that onboarding, now it's, you know, you got to hit the ground running and the day-to-day -day, day -day work that needs to be done. So you need to really sit down and ask yourself, how do you want to lead and coach them? You know, what is your method going to be? What's your approach going to be? How does that person receive communication? How do they like to receive communication, right? How do I work my coaching and training around how they receive things? These are all the questions you need to start asking yourself to make sure you have a game plan in place and also to make sure that you do not micromanage. There's nothing worse for a culture than micromanagement. The next question you need to ask yourself is, what type of culture are you prepared to set for your organization? And can you clearly communicate your why, your vision, and your values? Because I got news for you, if you as the owner founder cannot clearly communicate your why, your vision, and your values, don't ever expect your people to be able to do it. And don't ever expect them to get bought in to your why, your vision, and your values if you can't articulate it. So at this point, you really need to establish what type of culture do I want to have?
and you know make sure that that your desire to create a culture is one that's going to be a healthy culture, one where people people have the ability to grow and thrive, and, and one where, quite frankly, Mondays don't suck, right? If your team, if your first hire starts dreading coming to work, you are already going to be on the wrong path. All right, we are down to three out of four sections. We have one more section to go. And we are going to talk about documents, documents, and more documents. <clears throat> a lot of what we've discussed so far is what I call the strategic side of HR or people operations, right? It's, it's the strategy around how we build a great environment. This last section we're going to talk about really has to do more of the tactical side of HR. You know, establishing your people operations requires both tactical and strategic aspects of HR. So ensure that before you make that first hire, you establish a foundation of documents to make sure that you are starting off on the right foot. So the last few questions that you need to ask yourself are, do I have a complete new hire packet ready to go? It's as simple, simple as that, is making sure you have the new hire packet and all the documents that are required. And a lot of these documents are required by law, so you're going to want to make sure that you have that new hire packet ready and available. Now, if you don't and you decide that you want to join the entrepreneur to employer coaching community, uh, these are one of the many documents that we can provide you. We have templates for new hire packets and other things like that. So if you decide that you wanted to join our com coaching community, you would have access to a lot of people operation templates and documents. The next question you want to ask yourself is what policies and procedures do I need to create? Example policies that you might need to create would be a vacation policy, a travel and per diem policy, a social media policy, et cetera, et cetera. Not every policy is designed or should be put into the employee handbook. There are some policies that we want to be standalone so that we can adjust them or change them as the business needs change. So you need to make a list of what policies you need to be able to create for your first new hire. The next question you need to ask yourself is how are you going to track time and attendance and how are you going to process payroll? Okay, if you decide that your first employee is going to be hourly, you need to attract you need to track time and attendance, not only so that you have an accurate record of it, but also so that they have an accurate record for themselves so that they know they're getting paid correctly against the hours that they have worked. And then that question of how will you process payroll? You can do it internally yourself, right? You can do uh, QuickBooks has payroll. So you can certainly do payroll internally or you can outsource it. So keep in mind, if you do payroll internally, you also, also have to handle your quarterly tax filings, paying the employer taxes, right? There's a lot of other tasks that go with it other than just processing that employee's paycheck. So if you decide you do not want that responsibility, that may be a great opportunity for you to outsource and hire a professional payroll company to run your payroll. Now with the time and attendance system, we do not recommend that you use paper timesheets. There are many very good cloud-based time and attendance systems out there that can uh, give you a cloud-based electronic uh, time and attendance system. The next question you are going to want to ask yourself is, are you up to speed on your local, state, and federal labor and employment laws? Now, you, you're not a lawyer, and that's okay. Nobody expects you to know every single local, state, and federal labor law. Lawyers don't know them all either. That's why they have resources, online resources, because there are so many laws and codes out there. But as an employer, you are going to need to know some fundamental labor and employment laws. And it's important to understand that we have federal labor laws, we have state level, and now we also have local level. So many times local, at the local level, could be cities, could be counties, decide that they want to take a state level law and make it more aggressive. A great example of this will be minimum wage. Minimum wage in the state of California, as of this recording, is $15 an hour. 
Now, the city of Los Angeles decided that they wanted to have a more aggressive, higher minimum wage. So they have always been one step ahead of the state of California. So if you are an employer and you have employees in the city of LA, you need to be working off of the city of LA's minimum wage uh, schedule, not the state of California's. So it's very important that you are up to speed and or know what resources that you have. A lot of resources are available on the internet, um, CalChamber, et cetera. There's definitely different resources that can be utilized to make sure that you are able to stay up with some of the basic labor and employment laws. And as you grow, it never hurts to have a HR professional, whether it's outsourced or in-house, uh, and a good labor and employment attorney that you can refer to as well. Next question is, how will you store the personnel records to ensure compliance? Believe it or not, storing your person, your staff's records, there are laws that dictate how we how we secure those, right? The medical records have to be separate from the regular personnel records, right? There is a process that has to be followed. So whether you're going to do analog and have paper records or whether you're going to store the files in a cloud-based HRIS, which stands for Human Resource Information System, um, is a decision you are going to have to make. But you need to be very clear on how you store those personnel records to ensure compliance. And also make sure that you have your I-9s um, completed, verified, and on file as well, separate from the rest of the personnel records. The next question and last question that you need to ask yourself. And again, this isn't the last question that you'll ever ask yourself. There's a lot of other questions that we can go through, but it would make the podcast eight hours long and we just can't do that. We're trying to give you enough to get started here. So the last question for this particular conversation is how will you create the first version of your employee handbook? So, you know, creating an employee handbook is good for both the employer and the employee. It creates a, a rules of the road so that everybody is clear on what's expected, what we can do, what we can't do. And it refers and gives us something that we can go back and look at. So creating that handbook is a great step uh, in, as you start to build out your people operations. And again, it doesn't need to be 500 pages. Um, your first employee hammock may only be 15 to 20. It'll address things like sick leave policy, time and attendance, you know, are there paid holidays, things of that nature. So you need to take a, take a look at how you're going to create that first version of your employee handbook. And again, if you work with the entrepreneur to employer coaching community, uh, an employee handbook template is one of the things that we can provide you as well. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope I've given you some things to think about as you're on this exciting path from becoming a solo entrepreneur or freelancer to an employer. Um, and, and it truly is having a team is wonderful. Um, it's great to, to be able to start to hire people, give them career trajectory, you know, and be able to coach them and, and see them excel. There is a, a very rewarding aspect to that. So hopefully we've given you some things to think about and you are still excited about transitioning to becoming an employer. So thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. Now we have a free resource for you. Download our free workbook with the 18 questions that a transitioning entrepreneur to employer needs to ask and answer before making that first hire. The link to your free resource, it's going to be in the show notes. So just grab it and download. And last but not least, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review as well. The more we grow, the Entrepreneur to Employer community, the more we can make sure that Mondays or any day of the week for that matter, just don't suck. All right, until next time.